and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories on tips on how you can find your purpose. We all have a gift we can bring to the world. Do you feel dead to life? Like there's more to it, but you don't know where to start. Perhaps you don't fit in and you can't understand why. Are you pushing all the time and getting nowhere? Do you long to finally be sure which is the right path for you? This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, self-study, shows you how to find your purpose. The course demystifies the subject of Dharma and shows you that by following your highest excitement, you can unlock your greatest potential and create the life of your dreams. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma. Without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. teach what you need to learn and that is definitely the case with my next guest. You're about to hear Persia Lawson's story. Persia is an author, a speaker, a millennial dating expert and she's one of the UK's most successful love coaches. She once was a serial cheater and an obsessive love addict and she's now proud to be in a healthy, committed, loving relationship. You're going to hear in this episode how by following her highest excitement and Really, just having faith in what she was doing, her dharma appeared. Persia is a great example of somebody who took the action and then the next step became clear. So, without further ado, let's dive in. So, hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me the beautiful Persia Lawson, who is an author, she's a speaker, and she's a love coach. And she's passionate about helping women get and sustain healthy, soulful relationships. So Persia, welcome to Kitty Talks. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thank you so much for bearing with me. It's been a, it's been a journey to get to, ha- to having this podcast. <laughs> it has, but we got there in the end. Yes, and I'm very excited because when I, I was introduced to Persia through Sassy, who's actually going live this week, um, and when I went and researched your story, Persia, I was really kind of moved by what you've gone through actually in life and how you're now committing your life to helping other women sustain healthy, soulful relationships. And obviously, when you and I spoke, you were really honest about the fact, the fact that that's the thing that you're really working through yourself. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have learned so much about, you know, how to work on yourself when you're single, how to heal all your kind of past relationship stuff, how to attract a right, you know, uh, the right partner for you. And now I'm just over three years into my relationship with my wonderful boyfriend. Mm. And whilst it's amazing, you know, this is new territory because this is the longest time that I've been in a relationship where 
I haven't cheated. I haven't kind of looked elsewhere. So it is, you know, I'm kind of living out the new sort of, uh, you know, when you get past the commitment, in between mm. both commitment and I guess engagement, that's where I am right now. And it's a very interesting place to be and I'm learning a lot. Mm. It do, it's hard, you know, relationships take work, especially conscious relationships, you know. Like I think we attract our partners because it's almost like they bring up stuff that we need to look at. So. Oh, exactly. I mean, you could not have said that better. My, but better. I couldn't have said that better myself. I, I was actually at a wedding last weekend of uh, two of my good friends. They actually asked me to be the celebrant. Mm. So I married them, which was really exciting, and it kind of led me to think, right, I'm going. I'm actually going to train as a celebrant um, because I, I just loved it so much. I love public speaking. I used to be an actress, so that the actual role of the ce- celebrants, you know, was very easy for me. However, later on at the wedding, it must have been about 11 p.m. My boyfriend and me had a fight, and we don't. We very rarely do have big fights. Um, we've probably got it down to now a, a few big ones a year, which for me is good going. But we ended up really triggering each other at this wedding and having mm. this really big fight. And it just, and even though it was horrible at the time, as fights always are, it, what it did do, it kind of refocused me and got me really clear on this is why I'm doing this because. Mm struggle with this and uh, to be honest show me someone who in a long-term relationship who doesn't have fights sometimes it's it's the way you know in the moment I didn't react how I would ideally like to react but my recovery time and our recovery time as a couple is much quicker I'm now able to own my part in it and take responsibility Mm. you know have those conversations where we need to talk about boundaries and all of those things and I could never have done that before Mm. I would first sign of you know a fight or something difficult I would have gone and sabotaged it and found someone else or you know just run away from the relationship and whilst you know the temptation was there because Mm. I'm still me and I do still have you know the childhood that I grew up with but I don't have to succumb to those sort of toxic behaviors anymore which Mm. is such a relief because I really do have the most incredible relationship I'm so passionate about this work because I think I want everyone if they want it to have their yeah. own version of this and so yeah it's just I feel so honored and so privileged to get to do this work and they say that we always teach what we need to learn most yeah. so that would totally resonate but take yeah. us back because <laughs> obviously for our, for my listeners you know one of the things we love to do on Kitty Talks is talk about the transition and and our stories actually because I do think our stories are so powerful and actually the more we embrace our story and sometimes our greatest pain can be our greatest pleasure but mm. can you take me back to your story so our listeners can understand the context really of your life sure well in many ways I I'm probably like the least likely person to actually be a love coach because uh as I just hinted at then I was not good at relationships at all up to um the age I think it was my mid-20s where things started to turn but before that Growing up, my parents were actually both um, drug addicts and really, really, you never would have known that on the outside because on the outside, yeah, they were functioning and it all looked fine. And yet, you know, they were really, really struggling and it kind of got worse into my early teenage years. My mum went into rehab a couple of times and she kind of sorted herself out and, you know, was just really, you know, such incredible woman, what she overcame. Alcohol. Sorry? Alcohol, predominantly. Predominantly drug. Um, And then my father, uh, he kind of, when my mum got sober, my dad struggled um, himself. Like it kind of, yeah. And then he had to go into rehab. So 
it, whilst all that was going on, obviously it was my early teenage years. I'd started getting with boys very, very young age. They kind of, what, what boys were my drug. This is what I realized is when I kind of, I guess it was, it was early. It was probably around, you know, eight, nine. I started to realize, Ooh, I really like attention from boys. Who mm. really, crucial needs that I wasn't getting met I was getting validated because I was getting attention um and it was escapism it was escapism from kind of my home life which was really really hard at that time and then mirror so I was having you know boyfriends from a young age and cheating on them from a a young age I was very very used to drama and chaos that was what was the norm in my family life and it was actually where it took an interesting turn it was when I was 16 dad had come out of rehab both of my parents were suddenly sober. I was going into sick form and I suddenly like had this dream family life that I'd always, always wanted. But I wasn't used to it. Yeah, so you want to mix it up a bit. Exactly. So it, like even the thing is human beings, we will always gravitate towards what is comfortable and familiar to us. Even if mm. that is crap, like even if it's horrible, it's what we know. It's the whole thing of better the devil you know. So when my family life sorted itself out, that's actually when I went out beside the family at home and just started, you know, all my toxic behaviors with men, which was, you know, already underway. I really ramped them up. And so, you know, when I got to university, um, my second year of university, I was in Canada studying. I had a boyfriend at home trying to do a long distance relationship, which is quite a normal thing because it Mm. means, you know, deep down, it's not to say they're impossible, but for someone like me at that time, it was impossible and Mm. it was a way of kind of having my cake and eating it meanwhile I was cheating on him while I was in Canada it was very easy to do and hide that and that was it it just got more and more intense and then I went to drama school after university and of course I'm sure you can imagine yeah um you know again high drama lots of good looking men um you know then came out of drama school and you know, I, I, I'd always been a straight A student. So when I suddenly wasn't getting the lead roles that I was used to getting at drama school and I wasn't getting that sort of those boxes ticked, which enabled me to, even though I was really self-destructive in my romantic life, I was still able to kind of go, oh, but you know, A star student, so I'm fine. And I could show that to my parents. So it was really, you know, my early twenties when I came out of drama school that I just went down. I got, I remember I got an acting job in Shanghai and uh, it was, I think, a couple of two months or so. And I ended up putting on two stone in two months while I was there, which really is some feat. Yeah. Um, I was drinking loads. I was out all hours of the night. I was sleeping with, you know, having one night stands with strangers, not using protection. Um, I really, in every way that I could have myself I abused myself and and the men that I was always attracted to were quite dangerous they were drug addicts or drug dealers themselves because again that's what I was used to and I liked the drama of it yeah but it was really when I came back from that uh holiday that well that sorry that work trip and my parents picked me up at the airport and they just you know the weight was the the thing that I couldn't hide everything else I could hide and pretend to my parents everything was fine my dad said I'm going to, how would you feel coming on a nice yoga retreat in Thailand? <laughs> yeah. And of course, because I was a skin actress, I was like, yes, sign me up. I'm there. Because I knew I'd, I knew I'd put on weight. And, and for me, the weight gain was a hard thing because m- the way that I'd always kind of got my fix with men mm. was, you know, Pay using attention. Yeah. Well, I was using my body, using my looks. And whilst I kind of still got some attention I, I because I wasn't feeling good I wasn't feeling sexy I wasn't feeling good in myself that was obviously having a knock-on effect I wasn't getting the same level of attention so I was like 
ready to go to Thailand. Now, just before I went to Thailand, a really interesting thing happened. I was lying hungover, of course, in uh, my best friend's bed. And I saw this bookshelf opposite uh, the bed. And I saw this book title, and I don't know what it was, but something in me just gravitated towards it. And I put this, picked this book out, and it was called Women Who Love Too Much by a therapist, an American therapist called Robin Norwood. Hmm. This book, I opened this book at a random page, and in it, the line that I, the sentence I was drawn to, it said something along the lines of, um, Daughters of drug addicts and alcoholics tend to inherit a predisposition to dysfunctional relationships with men. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I just thought that was me. I didn't know this was like a thing. Mm. And I yeah. started reading this book and I was like, oh my God, it, it was just me. All wow. over. I'd always had this pattern of being drawn to the bad boys because it was exciting. Yeah. It was the yeah. challenge of getting them. Then I'd get them. And then at some point they'd mess me over. So I'd lose my confidence and I'd look around for a nice boy to pick up the pieces, find yeah. a nice boy. He was all obsessed with me. And then I got bored. So I'd look around. Who can I sabotage it with? Oh, there's a bad boy over there. So I'd jump back to that. <laughs> and it was just, like, Almost like a drama loop going around in a circle. Yes. Yeah just going round and round. And this book, it was it was like, you know, I'm sure my parents had self-help books everywhere. They'd been sober for a long time by this point that I actually read this book. I think it's about, you have to be ready to hear it. And yeah, for sure. whatever reason, that Christmas had been, you know, very unhealthy for me. And I was just ready. I, I, I really was ready. And I went to Thailand and because there was no distractions, there was no partying, there was no booze, there was none of that. I was just meditating doing yoga. It was very calm. I read this book and I, I mean, I inhaled it. I inhaled mm. that book and I, and it talked about something called Al-Anon, which is for a 12 step fellowship for the friends and family of addicts and alcoholics. Mm. So I was like, okay, I know that I need, there's stuff I need to heal. And I couldn't afford, afford therapy at the time. This is free. I mean, you know, you can give a pound at the end towards, you know, coffee and tea, but it's ultimately 12 step fellowships are free. Mm. And I came back from that holiday and I was sort of, Project Persia, fall in love with myself, heal my entire life. I thought it would be done in a month. Yeah. I realized very quickly that's not how it works. You know, it's an ongoing process for the rest of your life. Yeah. Now, a few months into that journey of like really working on myself, I actually met a guy. Well, it was someone I'd known since I was 15, but not too well. And he was an addict. He was fresh out of rehab, an amazing guy. Um, we started a relationship we were both not ready for, but he what that that year long relationship was the hardest but most important relationship of my life. Mm. He actually cheated on me, and I found out because mm. I was stalking his Facebook and his computer, and I just you know I shouldn't have been on there. But it was like suddenly I was faced with all of the people, all the men that I'd hurt throughout my life. Mm. It was like I suddenly understood how I'd made them feel, and from yeah. that moment I said I will never ever do this to someone again. I started to also go to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, which is really quite hardcore. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, you know, over me and him broke up and uh, my friend was going through something similar. She'd come through a breakup. This is the summer of 2012. I always remember it because it was when the Olympics were on. And we decided to, you know, we were going on this journey and we started to do a blog about it, which was called Addictive Daughter. And we were talking about the quarter life crisis, you know, mm. struggles in relationships, struggles with money, struggles with where am I going in my life and my career, all of that sort of angst that we go through in our 20s. Mm. And because it was at that time, you know, everyone talks about this stuff now, but back then, no one really was. They were talking about yoga and eating well, but they weren't mm. talking about 
no anxiety and depression. Not not no, in the way, not in the way that everything's gone boom now. Yeah, it? yeah. But we, you know, it was scary when we put it out, and because we were quite, you know, it was quite new. We got a lot of press attention. We did that. We trained as life coaches. We trained in, you know, that, that was my next question. Like, how did when when was the point that you thought? Because obviously you were in drama school. Because mm. I'm also interested in that thought process. Like, when was the point when you went? Actually, this is what I want to do. I know that this is my dharma. This is who yeah. I want to be and what yeah. I want to do. Yeah, I love I love asking people that question too. So it was interesting because I realised at the end of my this was the hard part. Mm. I realised at the end of my acting career, even though it had been subconsciously coming for a while, I actually consciously was like, "It's the end of this." Before I knew what the next stage was, mm. and that was I think I'd just come out of the breakup. It was like sort of May 2012 and I was in so much pain. But over the last sort of year and a half, even while I was in that relationship, I'd been going to my Al-Anon meetings. I'd been reading all my mum's self-help books, really, really gotten into into kind of just studying it. But it was for me, it wasn't because it wasn't because I'm going to write, how can I make money out of this? How can I teach that? But I had this moment after that breakup. It must have been. I think it was about two months or so after my friend's dad, the same friend who had had that book that I'd taken on mm. to Thailand with me, her dad, who's been always like a mentor to me, he's been like kind of a second dad in a way. He messaged me and he said, I've got tickets to this event. Um, and I don't know why, but I feel called to tell you to go. I can't go. So I went to this event and it was all about how to essentially use your story and your passion to create a business. And I remember going and it was like, I had this, I, I cannot explain how powerful and weird it was. It was like electricity running through me. And it was like, these people we're going to do. And this guy talked about, you know, writing a book, writing different articles, um, having products or services, like potentially that would be coaching, all of this. And it was like that day I was like, Oh, I meant to start business. And how interesting um, that you got recommended to, like, it wasn't even you that went to the event. It was somebody else that said, you need to go to this. Like, yeah, this your time. It, was, it was just one of those things. And, you know, I always see that with my clients who, mm. like, once you start on this path, you don't need to see the whole staircase. You know, that Martin Luther King quote, you just, the first step and yeah. you just follow your intuition. The next step, it all becomes clear. Yeah, and absolutely. Because obviously I was like, oh my God, I've got to write a book, which I was actually already... I think I was about six months into writing a book and I didn't know what it was. I knew it was about kind of my recovery journey and relationships, but I hadn't seen the bigger picture. And I was like, I suddenly saw how this book fitted in and who it was for. And um, I'm, so glad, I'm so glad you said that, though, because I think that's something that people really need listening, need to understand yeah. is that, you know, you you won't know all the pieces of the puzzle. You just have to take the action. You know, you go to the first step, step that you're called to. Yes. And then it's almost like the more we go down that path, the more it's unveiled to us and we discover what we're yeah. supposed to be doing. But you have to yeah. get in the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I actually think on that note, Kitty, I think I mean, I've done this myself. I, I see a lot of people who. It's like they're so overwhelmed by how much there is to do or how many different directions they could go that they just kind of shut it out completely and go, I can't. Mm-hmm. They don't follow that first tiny step, which literally might be to email someone, to mm. watch whatever it is. Mm. They just kind of shut it out because it's too scary. And I, I so get that. And I've been there. But one I really, thing a day. Just one, do one thing a day towards your dream. That's all you've got to do. And if you, it's like an Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? Yeah. You kind of get through one day at a time. But if you do yeah. one step towards your dream, then it will, yeah. it's coming. It's really coming. Yeah. And I've really, you know, I've really seen that over my, my career because I was a queen. I actually... Um, I asked my friend Zoe 
who was in a similar place at the same time to join me. And so we created this blog together, um, got a lot of attention. Eventually, a few years later, we got a book deal. And by this point, we trained us, as I said, life coaches, all of that. So we had a lot of different things going on. But the one thing both of us weren't trained in was business. We were we were creative. So we had mm. all of that side down. Mm. Uh, well, you know, as much as we could. But it was like, for me, particularly the last few years, I have had to learn a lot about business. Mm. Now, the next stage of the journey is kind of uh, really where my love coaching starts to take off. So our, our, it was 2015. And by this point, it was the summer of 2015. We had the book deal. We were writing the book. I'd been single for a year and a half at this time, which was a really, really, really long time. Message breakthrough. <laughs> I'd, had, I'd had a few kind of little dating things with people here or there. But I'd, I remember I had, I think, three different periods of four months at a time where there was no bloke messaging me I was living at home with my parents to be able to do the work I was doing mm. making much money at that point we had a bit coming in um, and I was still working as you know teaching acting teaching English literature all of that to make ends meet and um I, yeah I'd had all this time like no boys validating me and so I really had to validate myself and it was hard at times but it was really the training ground and um, I remember this was so, so significant. We, I finished the first draft of the Inner Fix. The next day, we were going, or two days later, we were going to speak at Wilderness Festival in Oxfordshire, which I'd mm. been to the year before. And I had written in the Inner Fix that I was, you know, I really felt ready to meet my life partner now. I'd done a lot of work on myself and I was really excited for that. And I didn't know when or how or when it was going to happen, but I was ready for it. And then the next day, um, we did our speech at the at the festival that night. I was kind of dancing in the one of the kind of hidden valleys in in um, the festival. It was amazing. It must have been about midnight or so, and I just had this feeling in my stomach which said, you know, there's wow. people around me. Yeah. I had a feeling in my stomach that said, turn around, turned around, and there was my now boyfriend Joe. And we literally didn't say a word. It was like it was just electric straight away. And it's quick manifestation. Oh my god! The day before, <laughs> yeah. It was. You know what was so key though is that I had this moment just before I felt that feeling in my stomach. Was I'd been at the festival the year before and I'd done this thing. I'm not gonna. I don't know if I, it's appropriate to say the name that I give this because it is very um, uncouth. It, it's all right. We don't censor anything. <laughs> okay. Well, I call it. <laughs> I call this catting for cock. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who, if that's offended them, but basically what this means, we've all done this, we might just not have called it this, is when you're, you might be single, you might be in a relationship, but it's when you go out with your friends and you're out at a bar or wherever you are and you're just looking around for good looking guys to get with. You know what I mean? You want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the pool would be. Oh, you're, that, you're on the that, That's a better way of saying it. <laughs> Possibly a nicer expression. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're out on the pool, but you're, yeah, you have that intention to find them and you feel quite desperate and you don't feel present with your friends at all. Mm. That was, that was a story of my life. And I always was able to do it. Like I never found, as I say to a lot of my clients, it's like, it's not that easy. It's the only, I never found it hard to get a guy. I just found it hard to maintain any sort of healthy relationship. Mm. But I, I just remember being at the festival on the dance floor and that impulse, because I'd done that the year before, I'd been like this the whole time and I wasn't present and I didn't mm. really enjoy myself Yeah, that much. of course, because you're not and really I, there. Exactly. And because the mm. following year, I was like, I've, spoke, I've just spoken here about being present at this festival. I've really got to put my money in my, where my mouth is. And I know that I get triggered to 
go on the pool, cat for cock, whatever you want to call it. And I just had this moment when I was dancing where I went to do it and I went, no, I'm here for me. And I just connected to the music. And I felt so, I really mm. felt like I connected to, if you want to call it God, universe, spirit, whatever you want to call it. But I was like, this is enough. This is enough. I don't need anything else. And it, it makes me want to cry or get emotional. Aww. It was in that moment that I felt the turnaround. It was like I under, I really understood that lesson. And that's when I suddenly got the relationship. And that's wow. really what my work is about. And, you know, we, we actually lost each other. Um, we, we spent that night together. The next day, he messaged me. I didn't, we basically were get, not getting each other's messages because of the crap signal at the festival. And at about 11 p.m. at night, I was, in, I was in a tent with some friends. And I felt that feeling again, turn around. <gasps> saw him walking out again. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Yeah, wow. There he was walking out the tent. I ran over and basically the rest is history. We just, we just, you know, left, we were with each other for the rest of the festival, had the most amazing time, fell in love completely. The following year, our, um, mine and my friend Joey's book came out, which was pretty much a year after I'd met Joe. And we had a TV deal um, on the cards. And yet both of, both, it's really weird because my boyfriend is Joey and my- Yeah, my I just was thinking of it. Joey as well. So yeah. Um, and they also weirdly lived around the corner from each other in London, literally around the corner, which was really useful when I yeah, was... Yeah, of course, when you're visiting one, you could visit the other. Oh, so good. Yeah. So a year into to, you know, that when I met Joe and, our, you know, and then our book had just come out and we got the TV deal and we actually realised, you know what? We thought this was going to be the beginning, but the book actually feels like the end. We've been doing it for four years. We'd loved working together. It had been really challenging, but... It was just time to do our own thing. We're very mm. different, and we kind of diff- we wanted to go in different directions. And it just felt like we know we can do this on our own now. So that's what happened. And the minute that happened, and it was that for me was very challenging because it was an ending. It you mm. know it it was like a relationship breaking up, even though there was no hard feelings. It was painful, mm. but I knew straight away it's it's relationships and love coaching. That is, I want to focus purely on that. And so that's what I've been doing for for now two years. Um, I officially launched the, the, my business in February of last year, but I was kind of working on the scenes behind it. And, and yeah, I've been just kind of working as a love coach. I have my own online digital love coaching program, um, uh, which was my one-to-one that I put as a digital program. I do a lot of speaking, uh, run workshops. Um, I write articles for magazines. I'm working on a new book. So, so that, and I, we, we were traveling, uh, earlier this year for five months, we went traveling around the world and that, that really was, that's going to be another book in itself. That was <laughs> such a test, you know, and I, I can imagine that. So it's been a very busy, but very, very amazing uh, few years. And what an incredible story. Like, I have to commend you because, you know, like you've really done the work. Like, you know, I think that this sort of show is all about getting people to understand they all have a story. They all have a journey like you and I have, you know, and it's about them stepping into it. Um, and so I'd love to ask you what your advice is, actually, for people listening. Maybe they've got an inkling about what they want to do. But like you said, they're not 100% sure how to do it and how to go about it. Like, What would your advice be for someone listening? Mm-hmm. Well, I, one of the quotes that has really, really, really helped me over the years uh, is from a woman called Marie Forleo. I'm sure you're aware of her. She's um, an American uh, business coach. She's a brilliant digital entrepreneur. And she says, clarity comes from engagement, not thought. Mm, love it. And one of the things I 
the start is I try to think my way through of like what I should do and how I should do it. Mm. The only one you know is to try things out and to be curious and to experiment just to have fun with it and take the pressure off yourself. Chances are it will take some time to start if, if you know, this is you want to go into a business. It might take some time to start um you know, making, seeing some money from it, unless that's what you're really, really skilled in. But what you don't want to do is spend a load of money on a website or a training, you know, an online program, if you don't know for sure that that's the way you're heading. So at the beginning, I just say, read a lot of books, like give yourself maybe a deadline of a, of a couple of months where you're just going to go, right, no pressure. This is not where I'm getting into the business. This is where I'm just focusing on my, like you know the Joseph Campbell quote follow your bliss what lights me up so before you get into the nitty-gritty of how I'm going to do this following what lights you up what books am I drawn to um what YouTube videos you know there's so much stuff for free you don't need to spend a, a penny until you you get clearer about what it is for you I really believe in meditation and free writing journaling after you meditate it's so mm. good to touch your intuition mm. all of that what you know all of this is kind of the very feminine process as it were mm. where you're Getting in touch, receiving guidance, having fun with it, letting yourself make mistakes. Maybe you want to set up a blog, a, a blog, and you don't really know what it's about. But you're just from these initial stages. You're just starting with something. You don't need to spend loads on a logo or anything like that. Mm. People get too in their heads, don't they? Because they, they don't do anything. <laughs> so it's, it's give yourself. And, and honestly, even when I think about that, like that, it takes such a pressure off. Like a two, three months, however long you want to to just explore and have fun. And maybe start a blog, but you're not going to spend any big money on it. You can do it all for free. Mm. Once you've done that, I guarantee you are going to have learned some things about what lights you up. I and mean, if I'd done that process back in the day, it would have been, oh, of course, it's just relationships. We really struggle with addictive daughter because we were looking around us, which is mm. okay to do. But mm. then we were getting lost in, oh, but she's doing that or they're doing this. And, should, you know, in getting in our head again, as opposed to just forget what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Focus what lights you up I think that's really really good advice because that's the other thing that nowadays that people get so you know Instagram and Facebook people are always you know snooping as much as we hate to say we're not we bloody are you know we're looking at what other people are doing and that's dangerous because no one is you no one has your life path no one has like your life journey or your dharma you know there's going to be nobody who's gone through what Persia's gone through in exactly the same way exactly the same experiences so yeah, I think stay in your own lane is a massive yeah. piece of advice that people need to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's once you've done that part, which you look, you can work with someone, you can mm. get a mentor to work with them. Um, there's also a lot of free sort of meetup groups that you can like have some, you know, creative accountability. So if you're someone, I'm, I've always been someone, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm quite good at that. So I'm quite good at, you know, I, I can procrastinate, but if I'm like, right, this is what's happening this month it's going to happen. Mm. If you in that stage think, you know what, I, I still need accountability. Maybe you can look at hiring a coach or mentor or, you know, doing uh, something where even if it's just with a friend where you say, right, this is what I want to achieve by the end of the month. Can we meet up and can, you know, you hold me accountable to that. Mm. But I think really when you want to start investing money, it's when you kind of a little bit, you've done that process and you're more clear about, okay, this is what lights me up. This is what I'm kind of drawn to. I like speaking, I like writing or whatever it is. And now I don't know how to take myself sort of from there to it launching as maybe it's a business. Mm. And whether you decide to do a digital, a really good digital program um, that's going to help you with that or work one-to-one with a mentor, which I I really encourage at the beginning, because when you're starting out, it's quite scary Mm. because 
you haven't necessarily done something like this before. So it's nice to have a cheerleader there. Mm. You do program, you know, obviously you've got Facebook groups and all that sort of thing where you'll get that encouragement, but it just, it depends on you. But I think what I would say then is the same thing that I say to people who want to work with me with love coaching. It's like, I created the program that it, you know, took me essentially eight years to learn what I have put into that program, which is eight weeks long. Now you might not want to, you, you might not do it all in eight weeks, but it's all there. And you know, that's where it's like the stream, like investing a bit of money and just, you know, not, not cutting corners because you go deep into it, but you, it just gives you a kind of roadmap, a blueprint from where, for where you want to be headed. And I wish I'd done that earlier with business because with business, again, because we were creators, we were very used to living hand to mouth. So we were trying to cut corners and like, as in not spend money. Mm. And we were just looking around and kind of guessing what people were doing, but we didn't have the full strategy. Mm. So it took a long time for, I wish I'd invested more money sooner so that I would, do you know what I mean? I would have streamlined a lot of the lessons with business that have taken me years to learn. That to mm. But that's, you know, that's been part of my process and you know, I've, it's fine, but I, I now really do see the value of having a mentor, um, or a, a coach, a business coach, mm. um, or doing a, like digital courses. I think, you know, I've created my own because I really do think there's such a great modern way for us to learn. Some people don't want to work with someone one-to-one. They just want to kind of do it by themselves. So yeah, I definitely suggest working with someone if you can. Yeah. And I would totally agree. I would say, you know, getting around a community of people that are doing or achieving what you want to do, because as you said, it like, it's a, you know, almost rubs off on you. Um, And then spending the money on someone who's been there and done it, because then it helps you leapfrog exactly to where they are. Like, you know, if someone was having real problems with relationships, they've got eight years worth of info that they can tap into that you've kind of pulled out of your and you've lived through that means that they don't have to make the same mistakes yeah oh god that's just I just think I wish I'd had this I (laughs) wish I wish I'd had this you know my teenage years but if not you know in my sort of early 20s I would have saved myself so much grief and heartbreak like this program it really is everything I've done it for the sort of the early 20s version of myself that's who I've done it for and I'm so proud of it but yeah it really is the key is just you know don't try and do this by yourself another great thing I did we did do early on was we got to know people in our field so as well as having a coach to kind of have peers in your field which you kind of pointed to a little bit so we went to a lot of events um of people who were kind of you know several steps ahead of us who were speaking on stages doing all the things that we wanted to do Mm. and we got to know a lot of those speakers and you know to interview them for various things but also we got to know the other people attending and a lot of the other people attending those events were doing sort of similar things to us so we could collaborate with them we got to know them because again I, I was an actress so I didn't have any friends doing this online space yeah, thing of course. it could feel quite lonely so go out there and again these you can go to events that are free if you look at meetup.com um there's so there's just so much on the internet that you can find so you don't have to do this alone that's the key Mm. yeah and I think man is not an island you know I think the more yeah. we the more we reach out the more we're honest and open and authentic about what's going on for us and where we're at then you know the more that we are going to find the right people that can help us you know I, I always find like you were saying about when you declared to the universe that you were ready um I I find that with like okay well what's next in the business and then the right person appears you know yeah. as long as you're being true to yourself and following what feels right for you and not trapped in a job that you hate you know I think it's important that we are authentic with 
ourselves and we follow our dharma and we follow the path that really resonates for us. And then I think the universe has our back and will follow us. Absolutely. It's just, it's the courage to take that step. Yeah. In fact, I think we said this at our book launch. It's a leap and the net will appear. Mm, So true. And you you don't really know in what form the net is going to be. Yeah. (laughs) That's why it's scary. But it does. It does. It's, you know, fortune really does favor the brave and the bold. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to have mistake there's no even mistakes and failures there are so many things you know business wise or you know relationship wise all of those things and I'm like actually I don't even see them as failure you learn like, so much don't you through your oh challenges god. oh my god and look I would what would I have had to tell you if I hadn't had a spicy story where I'd had yeah. a failure and mistake like I I would it would have been very boring that's like you know it's the hero's journey is that there's mm. lots of things to overcome and sometimes you don't but in the end you do mm. and I think that's the key you know it's it's just like sometimes I get so annoyed when people say this but it is true it's learning opportunities you know it's and I think it's to grow yeah and it's also about having fun I think people forget that as well like life's supposed to be fun we take it all so seriously and we get all in our heads and we get all caught up that we're not being successful and this isn't happening actually if you just dance with it and have fun you know my thing pleasure is all about people following their bliss and people really doing what lights them up and I think when you go towards the things that you really enjoy it's not work it is you know your passion it is enjoyable and you can do it more you know all the hours that God sends because it doesn't feel like work sometimes I know it's what I have to learn because sometimes when I'm doing the stuff like this I'm like I feel guilty because I'm not working and then I have to check myself and say actually this is what you do now you know (laughs) this is fun it's okay you can do that yeah Yeah, totally totally Mm. it should the whole journey is is hard I mean journey for anything journey in relationships and business and just all of it it's hard at times but yeah if it's not fun like what is the point and it's your and you get to choose that I think you know I'm and I'm sure many people listening to this will identify, you know, I'm an overachieving perfectionist. I've got incredibly high standards for myself. So I've really had to work at being gentle, being kind, being compassionate, letting myself off the hook, whilst at the same time, not dropping the ball, not becoming complacent. It's a, it's a balancing act. And, you know, that's all we can ever hope to do is our best. Mm. And again, that applies to everything in life. And there's going to be some days where your best is not going to be as good as other days. Like that day of the wedding where I did a great job with the leading of the ceremony and wedding my friends, marrying my friends. But then um, I dropped the ball with, in my own relationship, the irony of it. And I thought, and of course I had those feelings of you failed. You just married them. You're a love coach. Um, You know, he had done something wrong, but I did not react well. And I, I really, you know, didn't handle it well. And the next day I beat myself up and I really had to come back to, you know what? I'm not going to hide this and just talk about the wedding. I'm going to own the fact that of of what happened at the end of that night and how I handled it not very well, because I want to show people that I'm not some guru who knows that that's rubbish. And you know, when you told me that story, I think you you told me that story the first time we connected and I thought, oh, I really like her. She's really honest. (laughs) That was the first thing I thought, because you told me that story right from the outset. You told me about the wedding and a fight with your boyfriend. And I thought, I like her. She's just like... That totally honest. I always, whenever I share anything that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should share that. Does it make me look unprofessional? It's a good reaction. People say, thank you so much for your honesty. Mm. Because the fact is, I, like human relationships are hard and I'm a human and I'm, I'm going to go through the rest of my life, me and Joe never having a fight or me always behaving perfectly, even though I'm a love coach, I'm also human. And And I think the, the key is to own it. 
And I think as human beings, we've got to get over this sort of way of being seen or that we can't be honest about who we are and what's really going on for us. Like this is the one of the things that I talk about in my Facebook group. It's like the only way we're going to be able to work on this stuff and deal with this stuff is we're truly authentic with one another. We don't have to be perfect, you know, we have to be honest. Exactly. And the thing is, you know, this is for, for anyone who is looking to or already doing the work I'm doing. Notice how I haven't told you what the fight was about specifically because that doesn't feel appropriate for you know because joe, joe is my boyfriend and i wouldn't want to put something out there yeah, sure comfortable with it boundaries and there are certain things you know i i can i can use this as an example in the story but still have my personal life and go you know that's but there are certain things that are between me and joe and actually it doesn't serve it's not it, it won't really make a difference what it is about because the point is i i you know i i messed up I didn't I didn't do so well it doesn't really matter what it was about and I'm choosing to own that and to share that and to to kind of grow and that's for me yeah I think I said this to you know I'm a love coach because not because I find relationships really easy I'm a love coach because I find them hard and and actually there's something I'm the sort of person that's like I like to be held accountable because if I didn't if I wasn't a love coach there wouldn't have been quite as much incentive to kind of sort things out and work on it as there were when I, you know, realized, you know, I have a responsibility first to myself, to my relationship, but also to the people that I coach and that I work with. I want to show them that, you know, just because they've done my program, it doesn't mean that everything's perfect. It means it's an opportunity to keep growing and learning and it's okay. It's okay. And I think once you have that pressure taken off you, you can relax a bit and actually you then don't make as many mistakes do you know what I mean? Because you're yeah. The other thing that really freed me um, was about being, rather than being an expert, was about being, like, I feel like I'm in the purpose conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not an expert in this. I'm just in this conversation. It's something that really intrigues me and interests me and I'm going deeper on. And that freed me. That was, I think that was Denise Duffield-Thomas that um, used to talk about the money, money stuff and being in the money conversation. And mm-hmm. that was so freeing for me because you know we all have this imposter syndrome you know like what what, are we good enough to do what we're doing Mm. and actually if we're just in that conversation you're in the love conversation you're in the relationship conversation I personally feel like I'm in the purpose conversation Mm. you know it takes the pressure off and we can enjoy what we're doing yeah I love that that's really helpful yeah that I think there's just so much going around expert this expert that guru guru and actually I, I I'm now a human being who's in the conversation of love dating and relationships that for me was actually really helpful thank you it was so freeing for me it like freed me up massively but how can people find you Persia like they want to connect with you I'm pretty much Persia Lawson across everything. So PersiaLawson.com, Persia Lawson on, uh, at Persia Lawson on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. I think it's Persia Lawson Love Coach on Facebook. But yeah, I've got a weird name, so it's pretty easy to find. I love your name. I was going to say how gorgeous it is. I think it's Thank fantastic. You. Really like it. Really unusual, which is fantastic. Yeah, which I used to hate, but now I, because I used to get when I was at school, oh, you're Persia. <laughs> And I thought, oh, God, what on earth have they heard? And now it tends to be, oh, you're Persia, which for me, even that slight intonation change, I'm doing all right in life. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I know that you sharing your story will have really helped our listeners. So thank you. My pleasure. (laughs) We will see you next week with another amazing guest on Kitty Talks. Bye bye. 
also what a great story Persia has got and she is a fantastic example of somebody who's doing their dharma. We all have a purpose that we can bring to the world. Our job is to uncover it. You could hear in Persia's story that she basically followed her highest excitement, did the things that she was passionate about and became committed to almost healing her own pain And that can quite often be our dharma. Our greatest pain is our greatest gift. So if you haven't already, please come and join our Kitty Talks community. If you're interested in finding and uncovering your purpose and making a difference on the planet, you know, there's more to life than you can see, but you don't know where to start. Come and join us. We are a community of change makers, all building lives in alignment with our souls and creating change on the planet. Come over to our free Facebook group, Kitty Talks on Facebook. If you haven't already, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, and we will give you the support that you need to not only find and follow your purpose, do your dharma and create an amazing life in alignment with your soul. This podcast was sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. Create a life so good that you pinch yourself. This eight-week online course demystifies Dharma and shows you how to tune in to why you're really here. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma.